All right, welcome back. This is Charles Musgrove, your host of Business Matters. I'm with the Bean Team, and on Business Matters, this is the podcast where we we record shows that that address the issues that matter to businesses. So we tackle a lot of of great issues. We've had uh, we've had podcasts that talk about uh, security, cybersecurity. We've got two shows on that where we talked with Ben Graybar. Uh, we've got shows where we talk to attorneys about uh, wills and trust. What are they? Do you need them? Uh, we've talked with an attorney in depth about uh, negative social media posts by employees or bad reviews by uh, customers. What is the what? What can the uh, business owner do in that situation? Should they do anything? Uh, we tackle the issues that matter to businesses. So here on Business Matters, we try to get guests that have great subject matter expertise and they're entertaining to discuss the topic uh so today is uh we've got another great show with with luke volkers uh luke thank you for joining us today luke's expertise is in business insurance health insurance so we're we're gonna this is going to be really focused in the health insurance industry and we're going to talk about those topics that that uh large plan small plan Hopefully, we're going to address the issues that that uh, help out the business owner that's listening to the show, and even the the employee or those that that may participate in a in a company sponsored plan. So there's a there's a lot of issues that we can talk about there that'll be meaningful. Uh, I think this will be there's enough there's enough information to provide that uh, we'll keep this on a fairly high level, but it's going to be in depth enough that it, it really provides some meat to the discussion. So, Luke, uh, I know we've got some some points here that we want to go over. Uh, so let's just frame what the show, what we're going to do on the recorded show, because this is uh, this is kind of a pre-roll that is exclusive to the podcast, and then we'll do a break uh, where we play a little bit of music, and then we go right into the recording that's done for the radio show. So this part of the show is exclusive to the podcast listeners, so thank you for joining in on the podcast. And you should be getting some great information today, just like the other shows. So, Luke, welcome. Thank Tell you. us a little bit about yourself, your your experience in the insurance industry, and then we'll uh, kind of frame the show and we'll get started. Thank you for having me, Charles. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, excited to be on the on the show today. There's definitely a lot of information out of there. Out there, there's a lot of misinformation too. So, hopefully, we can clear up a few of those um, elements for a lot of our business owners and, and show them where the the opportunity is, and, and more importantly, where the uh, solution is to, like you said, their business matters. Uh, that's going to help them when it comes to the human capital management side. You know, employee benefits being one of the key components of recruiting and retaining and rewarding good employees and building a successful and growing business. So, yeah, that's important. I mean, there's. Uh, I know when we hire people and we recruit people, one of the first things they ask is, "Do you have health insurance?" So Absolutely. that that's. Uh, that's a big deal, and I think as as I get older, it's a it's a bigger deal to me too. And being a business owner, that there's there's benefits to that. It's part of the retention uh, attraction for employees, and it's it's a cost also. So you have to manage the benefit with the cost, like many other other things in a in a business. So this is going to be good, and uh, just give us a little bit of information about your expertise. Sure. I know that the geographic area you cover sure. is pretty broad, right? And uh, just just. This is your your chance to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, yeah, just uh, real quick. So, uh, regional sales director for Rogers Benefit Group. We've been around uh, about seventy years. We manage about seven billion in premium across the United States. 
Um, I work uh, primarily with the Jacksonville office, which handles the northern half part of Florida, uh, South Georgia, South Alabama. And uh, we, our primary role is to assist uh, local agencies, insurance agencies to better serve their clients uh, when it comes to the world of employee benefits. So uh, we're charged with, uh, by the the insurance carriers, uh, to disseminate product information, and then uh, where we differentiate ourselves in the marketplace is uh, we we help agents actually go out and uh, educate their clients in a manner that's a little little more simplified. Uh, the carriers tend to complicate things, and um, that's okay. That's that's their role, and so we figure out how to actually practically go out in the marketplace and implement. Uh, their products, their services, their wellness programs, things of that nature, and then more importantly through plan design and contribution strategy, make it affordable and effective um, for the company and its employees uh, because at the basis of an employee benefits program is the term benefits. So if it's not deemed or perceived as a benefit to an employee, then it's counterproductive. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's my main role, um, travel a lot up and down I-10, between Jacksonville and Pensacola, and, and we've got a full, fully staffed team out of Jacksonville. That's my back office that allows me to do what I do, and they're fantastic over there, um, over in Jacksonville, and, and we're led, the charge is led by our regional manager, Scott Felstead. That's been doing this for, you know, 35-plus years, so he's... Uh, yeah, very experienced, exactly. and um, you're, you, I like to, to think of what Rogers Benefit Group does, is you're really... Um, you manage the the agents, or you educate the agents. You you facilitate their the service that they're able to bring to right. to the uh, to the business owners and to the businesses out there. So I appreciate what you do and your knowledge and and assistance that you provide uh, clients that that we both work on. So thank Absolutely. you for joining us today. I know that we're going to talk some some regulatory issues. So let's don't go into the details of that right now. But we've sure. got on the on the agenda. We're going to talk about association health plans, whether they made it or not. Uh, we're going to talk about the 2020 health plan contribution and deductible limits. Uh, then we're going to talk about some new trends. I think there's some some really new trends, cool new trends that are out there that, that make a lot of sense, and it, it's really affordable. Not only is it affordable from a, a cost standpoint, but it's a it's very affordable time-wise. So from the, from the users of that, the employees that participate in those benefits, the teledoc, the, you know, the call a doctor, tell, tell the doctor what the symptoms are, they they give you a prescription they prescribe a prescription go down to walgreens or cvs and pick up your your medication you don't have to go to the doctor and wait in line so it's it's very effective and i've used that before my wife has used it i've talked to many other people that have used that with great success so absolutely i think that is uh that that really makes sense from from saving money saving time and it's it's something that people more than likely will use more of and uh Take that action early before it becomes more, more uh, costly, or they miss more time at work. It really Absolutely. jumps on those issues quickly. So, anything else you want to kind of tee up before we we dive into the meat of it? Yeah, no, I think it's just important to hit some of the highlights on the on the regulatory uh, updates as well as misnomers in the marketplace because that's how we we got to where we are today. You know, one of your first comments when we first kicked off the the show was about you know, if not the first, definitely the second question by a new employee when you're looking to hire them is do you offer benefits and that's just even more prevalent now due to uh, the Affordable Care Act or ACA uh, because it was an an individual mandate you had to have it Um, and so it was very well recognized across the media Um, it's very well known throughout you know just the population in general 
uh, healthcare is just such a hot topic, so to speak, that it's definitely at the forefront or the foremind of, of any individual applying for a, a position. So it's important to understand where we've come from, you know, when that initially went into place, March 23rd, 2010, and then those major provisions taking effect in 2014. And then I uh, just hit some of the highlights of the, the different ideas that have come across the desks um, in government to try uh, reduce rates and or, or make it more accommodating for companies to band together to provide, provide health insurance. Um, and that'll kind of set the stage for why we have these new trends um, because, you know, like they always say, um, out of uh, change and necessity comes innovation. And right. so that's definitely what's happened, not just nationally, but in Florida specifically, I'm going to address uh, uh, change in the, in the regula- regulation that was actually spearheaded by our regional manager down in Tampa, David Russell, uh, back in 2013 that finally took effect in 2015 in, in Florida. And it's just changed the landscape for us in the small group uh, market under 50. Uh, the small employers, which, you know, makes the that's backbone be of America. The, yeah, yeah, that's the majority. Know. I mean, that's that's most of the clients that we deal with. They're in that small group plan. That's what we have. So I'm sure that's what you see across the uh, North Florida area as well. For sure. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to get into this, and we're going to uh, we're gonna do a little music right now that will take us right into the recorded radio show. So let's get started with that. And are you going to hear the music coming on now? Good morning. Welcome back for another exciting show of Business Matters. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team, and you are ready. I know you're ready to hear another exciting and informative show. We've heard it all before. We're going to continue to bring you great information in an entertaining format, and today will be no exception to that rule. We have Luke Volkers, Regional Sales Director with Rogers Benefit Group located in Jacksonville, Florida. Luke is going to bring us some great information, and he's going to deliver it in an entertaining way. I know that's hard to believe when we when we mention health insurance for business and entertaining, but Luke is going to bring us some nuggets today. You're going to enjoy it, so uh, sit back, enjoy the show, and uh, Luke, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Um, uh, health insurance is something that, that most businesses have to deal with, and it is... Um, you know that's a way to retain employees. That's a way to reward employees. So it's uh, it's something that each business needs to look at. They need to evaluate. They need to have the right plan for their business for the employees. And they also there's a cost factor to that too. So Absolutely. I know I know we're going to get into the good and the bad of the the health plans. And uh, I know that you have a, a wealth of experience. I know that you've spent your career over 11 years you're a young guy but you've spent <clears throat> your entire career in Solid and uh, solving these problems working in the health insurance field and you cover a, a large geographic area as well so i'm looking forward to to hearing this so um luke thank you so, absolutely so uh let's get started with um i know we want to frame this with uh, probably goes back to the 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 aca the affordable care act back in that was done in 2010. Yeah, March 23rd, 2010, signed into the law. So 2010 <laughs> is when that that uh, the Affordable Care Act was put into law, and I know it, it was uh, phased in over a few years, but that really changed the landscape of health insurance as we know it today. So give us kind of a wh- what happened then, a fast forward to where we are now, and then we can get into some of the regulatory issues as well. A lot of those were were framed by what happened back then. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, just to, to step back from your initial comments, I'm just, just one thing that excites me the most about what we do um, in this uh, em- employee benefits uh, industry is we're helping business owners uh, find an affordable way to invest in their employees, right? So we, we talk about the fact that, you know, you pay it all in the form of payroll and taxes anyway. So one uh, triggers a tax event if you increase their payroll to recruit, retain, and reward employees. And the other is a tax deduction by investing those dollars uh, instead in an employee benefits program, which is a tax deduction to a business and provides great value to your employees and their families. So uh, that's one of the things that gets me so excited about what we do and what I do um, on a daily basis. And what drives me is not only helping the business owners grow their business, but ultimately helping those families and individual employees, you know, take care of them and their family. I mean, I have a family myself and have had to use uh, my own health insurance, obviously, on a regular basis. So I think that's important. That's that's my why, uh, so to speak. Like Simon Sinek says, I got to have a why. So yeah, back to March 23rd, 2010. Um, you know, for most uh, most of the uh, professionals in the industry, thought it was the uh, the doom of private health insurance. But uh, if anything, it's been the total opposite. If you look at the stock prices for those insurance carriers, they've done nothing but gone up. Um, there's been some casualties, the ones that couldn't make it, but as far as the ones that are dominating the, the big brands um, nationally and, and even you know your local Florida Blue over here uh they they're doing well um they're the dominant player in the state of florida right yeah um, yeah they're, they're the household brand for sure so um and then and then you know you your etnas your signals your uniteds uh they play more of a national role and uh which is great too you got to have them as well um and they're a little more on the the cutting edge of doing things different uh, and we'll talk about that later on in the show but um yeah so march 23rd 2010 uh it it got signed into law probably about 40 to 45 percent of the regulation really took effect then and then the major provisions that really changed things was january 1st 2014 you know uh now insurance carriers had to insure people immediately day one um covering all pre-existing conditions so essentially someone could sign up for health insurance get whatever coverage they needed done and they weren't held to it they could drop the coverage so on the individual side individual private health insurance um, they created an open enrollment period uh, to mitigate adverse selection um, you still had that anyway, at least the first year. And that's what why you had several carriers pull out of the marketplace after the first year. Um, and then on the but on the group space and the employee benefits side, you know, that's on a month to month basis we can we can set up an employee benefits program uh, any month of the year. Uh, but the same holds true, it covers pre existing conditions, uh, day one. Uh, in addition to that, there's some rating changes, the way they rate. Uh, you you now look at groups and individuals, uh, just unisex, um, uh, as far as who participates, so there's no gender uh, bias as far as rates, male versus female. It's just uh, unisex. Again, on the fully insured. The so what of, used to happen was the females would get a better rate than the excuse me, the males would have a better rate than the yeah. Females, so right? y- younger males got a better rate because we weren't high utilizers versus females um, because you know they they did probably the hardest work in America and. and you know, bear children and, and whatnot and, and the uh, concerns of that. But then we don't age as well as right. males. Uh, so we, we kind of fall apart because we don't take care of ourselves. So older males got a higher rate than uh, older females. They so take, so they this did away with the, the gender yeah, so selection? That, that did away with, yeah, uh, it was gender neutral from a rate standpoint uh, or unisex rates as they call it. And also narrowed what they call the rating bands. So um, generally in Florida, depending where you are, um, and across the nation, you typically have anywhere from a one to eight, one to 10 rating band. And that just means when they're looking at a group of employees and rating the group, 
your youngest person um, can't be lower cost than one eighth of your oldest or 65 year old person. Uh, when it came to ACA, that got narrowed to one to three. So if you looked at your rate bands, your 21 year old was one third the cost of a 65 year old. So what that does essentially is when you have a younger group, you can't bring down that rate as much as you could in the past when you average it out. So, so there's more of an averaging right. across all groups. Yeah, at a higher at a higher exactly. age bracket. Yeah. yeah. So so that drove up rates, um, obviously from that standpoint. And then there's some other um, from a not a rating, but from a plan design standpoint, where um, where out of pocket maximums literally got sometimes cut, you know, four times down or in half, uh, and they had to be what's considered true maximum out of pocket. So prior to ACA. You could not include prescription copayments and certain copayments in that out-of-pocket maximum on your plan, and that's essentially the maximum you spend on your health expenses, right, for medical services. Now on new plans, those are actually capped at that out-of-pocket maximum amount um, in network, and then you have a separate accumulator for out-of-network. But point is, is that you know some plans had twenty-five thousand, some had unlimited from a prescription standpoint. They started out, you know, way down at sixty-three fifty, six thousand three hundred fifty. So. Cutting that in half, the only way to circumvent rates just blowing up was deductibles came right. up. So that's where, you know, we suddenly came out with these $6,000 deductible plans, and that was the norm. That became the new entry-level plan. Prior to ACA, your entry-level plan was a $1,500 deductible right. with a 10000 or 15000 max out of pocket. So, so those are just some of the plan design changes uh, that came about, and then adding essential health benefits to plans. Um, and then those are, you know, your preventive maintenance, all that stuff. So good things uh, from, a, from a member experience and consumer protection standpoint. From a rating perspective, it, it, it was very tough for the carriers to, to rate for that. And then they were also regulated on how much they paid out in claims versus uh, paid to, to run, you know, for commissions, administrative costs, uh, et cetera, to, to run the insurance business itself. And so that was, potentially a, a higher cost. Yeah, so and eight, less coverage. Yeah, so eighty cents for every dollar they took in the insurance carrier, they had to pay out in claims, and, and this is a small group segment. Um, Twenty cents they used to run the business, and then large group fifty plus is eighty five fifteen. So if you can imagine running a business on a fifteen percent margin, it's right. pretty tough. So it is tough. So yeah, those are some of the bigger changes. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, with that comes innovation. You know, obviously uh, this is <laughs> this is America, and, and we're going to find a way. Uh, which is great. So you get innovation, especially in the private market, where we start looking at uh, outside-of-the-box ideas. So you start getting new networks being developed, um, new ways to um, structure that plan design, um, you know, different wellness programs by the carriers to incentivize wellness in, with employees. I mean, we're working with Fitbit. We're working with Apple Watch. We're, you know, doing different reimbursement programs. People going to the gym are now getting checks in the mail or yeah. money deposited. No, we've account. seen that with, uh, with our plan in yeah, the exactly. past is, yeah. is uh, the Fitbit. Mm-hmm. measure how many steps are taken and you get right. so much credit in your account so yeah. it, it does pay the employees back for being healthy absolutely so uh, that makes common sense right the, the healthier the employee is the the mm-hmm. less um, insurance or health costs that they, they should have to maintain good health right absolutely. therefore the 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 health insurance cost should be less tell me um this is i may know the answer to this i may not but what happened to the association health plans i know that was a a buzz when you talk about innovation and the private market trying to yeah. to, to innovate to, to overcome some of those costs. What happened to the association so, health plan? Yeah, so, so association plans have been around for a while, um, and the carriers have had them um, in, in Florida. They just haven't been as prevalent um, 
for whatever reason, it, it could just be because of state regulation, might just be because it's not in the appetite of the, the carriers. But association plans themselves have been around where you essentially group together a similar industry type, um, but they have to be associated in an association, have membership for a means outside of gaining health insurance. So, you know, as an example, a builder's association is grouping together to uh, provide value to its membership as far as uh, builders, and then they have, you know, their um, their people representing them, whether it's from a construction uh, standpoint, you know, when it comes to uh, regulation on construction. And they may and have legislative. Act. Exactly. So that's more of the purpose of that. Well, then um, what happened was fast forward uh, to essentially uh, June of 2018 and um, last year, and the uh, they had implemented uh, a new association health plan ruling. Um, this was prior to June, but it had just come about for, for last year where um, plans could band together just by geographic location. So, I mean, you could have a, a pizza shop on one corner, a law firm on another, you know, a medical office on the other, and uh, a radio station on the other corner. And they are the corner of A, B, a and B Street Association. Just by locale, they could form an association. That seems extreme. It does, and so um, it sounds. It, it it was as extreme as it sounds. Um, so you you could band across state lines. You could you could essentially pick either similar industry type or uh, geographic location, and then group those uh, them together, and then they would be uh, con- treated as if they were their own group, just like they do now for a normal employer that actually does have a bunch of employees working for that sole entity. So then. Fast forward to June 2018, and um, yeah, Judge Bates struck that ruling down because as far as ERISA is concerned, uh, that's that's too vague for it to be considered an employer-sponsored plan because you're, you're grouping together different industry types just by location and considering them an employer to offer an employer-sponsored program. Was so, that a federal or was that a state? That's state federal. Law. That's federal. federal. Across. Okay. Yeah, so in the, in, the, in the interim, we had some associations that got together. Um, <clears throat> across the nation, there was only, there was only about – I want to say it's only about 20 to 30 because it was so so such a short time period. We had two in Florida, and they got together uh, in time where they're able to maintain that. Right now, what is uh, on the docket is to see is when it comes up for renewal, are they going to still be able to maintain that, or are they going to have to disband? So there's two in the state of Florida. Yeah. And right now, they grandfathered those in? Because they got done while when this ruling was in effect. But now, going forward... The only way you can put an association plan together, which we're working on a few, is going back to the old rules. They have to be a common industry type. But, um, you know, one, one of the misnomers, and I'm glad you bring that up, about association health plans. Okay, so the reason why I always like to bring this up is because we get a lot of interest about association plans. Hey, we can band together all these real estate agencies and do an association plan because apart, we're 1099 or we don't have enough to form our own group. The thing is, is though, if you band them together, it doesn't necessarily mean that your rates are going to be better than you going to the private market and getting your own individual plan. Or if you maybe have a real estate office where you do have, you know, one W-2 employee that does your listings maybe, and then you've got a few 1099 real estate agents, we can ensure 1099s on a group chassis. We just have to have one W-2 employee. So that banded together group, if they're a younger demographic, their rates might be better than the association. And so one of the points um, for, and one of the, actually the, the, the detriments to association plans is after a while, because of adverse selection, their rates start to climb and climb and climb. And that's where you got to be careful is because um, eventually you can get stuck in that association plan if you're a sole proprietor or whatnot, and your only option is to come out and go to the individual market. Wow. So so, so that could uh, 
over a period of time, you may be worse off than if you had the small group to begin with, right. or a smaller group. Smaller, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's just a misnomer that, oh, an association plan, law of quote-unquote large numbers, we're going to get better rates. Not necessarily. Right. Because you're now pooled together with all those same employees. <clears throat> what What are some of the, uh, the new types of plans uh, for the small – let's talk about the small group. Is sure. there uh, – are there new – risk sharing type plans where the the employer can benefit for a healthy group yes yeah absolutely so um one of the things i i um i've been really excited about uh because you know in january of 2014 um for our our clients right the agents the agencies their their role became very much who's got the best price because it was guaranteed issue there wasn't a whole lot of consultation um not too much consultation it was just everybody was just trying to get that rate down for their premium because rates were going up and it became a very transactional type business just a price deal just a price deal you know in the small group space well then um in 2015 governor rick scott and um and and some regulation he, he changed he helped change some regulation with florida as to how the claim fund is calculated for a small employer so prior to july of 2015 um they the way you calculated a claim fund uh, for it to be considered um, a major medical plan for a small employer. And by that, I mean you have enough in that claim fund where you can put a stop-loss insurance policy, kind of like an excess liability policy on a commercial company, um, above it and call it an insurance plan, okay? Uh, That's a very general term. Right. But just for sake of this talk show, we'll, we'll leave it at that. The way you calculated that claim fund was the greater of three calculations, and that was either 4,000 times the number of full-time employees um, or 120% of expected claim liability. So once it goes through underwriting, what they expect claims to be plus a buffer of 20% or the minimum in Florida, which the minimum in Florida for a claim claim account is 20,000. So it was the greater of the three. So I like to use the example of a 15-person group. Okay, so let's just say it's a 15-person group. They're very healthy. Everybody can run the Boston Marathon. and uh, That's we, a very healthy group. Very healthy group, yeah, exactly. We look at the old uh, the old way of doing it, 15 times, you know, 4000 uh, $60,000. And then let's just say their admin fee to administer the plan is about 40000 So let's just say that 15-person group is 100000 If you do the math on that, it's not very affordable for a little 15-person company to spend right. $100,000 for health insurance. And that's just insuring the employees, not the dependents. Okay, so then... Uh, the second calculation, like I mentioned, 120% of claim uh, expected claim liability. Let's just say, for sake of argument, that example, it's $35,000, okay, which isn't off the norm, plus the 40, so that's that's 75,000 total, and then the, the minimum in the state of Florida, which was 20,000, okay. Again, it's the greater of the three, so the greater of that three in that instance is the 100,000. Right. It's, you know, it's the first example, <clears throat> the 60,000 for the for the claim fund plus the 40 admin. Fast forward, July 2015, going forward. They changed just that first number from 4,000 to 2,000. And um, when that happened, immediately, if you do the math on it, 15 times 2 is now 30,000. The second option was 120% of expected claims. So again, 35,000, or the lowest in the state of Florida allowed, which is 20,000. So the greater of the three is now the 35,000. 35,000, same, same group, admin fee being 40,000, that's 75,000. So that's just a very quick example. In 2015, ultra funding suddenly had a rate decrement of 25% in that segment. So then you fast forward each year of ACA rates going up, covering pre-existing conditions, um, you know, adding essential health benefits, covering all types of prescriptions, et cetera. 
you now get that discrepancy of sometimes 40, sometimes 50% of fully insured versus a healthy group going what we call alternate funded because they're alternatively funding essentially their admin fee and alternatively funding their claim fund. Not to, to the general consumer, you or me, if we're, we're, we're the member or we're the business owner, it's going to look, feel, and smell like a normal health insurance plan. We get a card. It's going to have the logo Florida Blue, Aetna, United, whatever it might be on it. But in the background, what's happening is when a member uses it, the claims are getting paid out of that claim fund and um, administered by the insurance carrier just like normal. And then at the end of the year, if there's any money left over, a portion of that, sometimes in some instances, 100% of it comes back to the employer. Right. So that that's a that's huge. a huge deal. Huge. It's like a dividend-producing program. Right. So that, as far as I know, that may have been available before, but as you're saying, the calculation was For different. Florida. So, we were doing it nationally, just not Florida. Right. So now what we're, I'm sure you're seeing this, is that those that are implementing these type of plans, they're getting, if they got a decent group or they're fairly healthy, they're going to be getting a check back at the end of the year. Absolutely. We're, we were getting groups getting anywhere from, you know, eight, 9,000 to we just recently had a group get 19,000 back. And we're talking a 25 person little shoe shop right. that we had. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's uh that's a big deal. And it that, is. that really is, uh, that does two things that makes you, it makes the cost a lot, a lot less. It, mm-hmm. it makes the business owner happier to invest, make that investment. Absolutely. And it also focuses on the health, keeping the, your group as healthy as possible. So in doing the Fitbit, doing yes, the let's yeah. walk, let's exercise, what is what are the insurance companies doing to encourage that? Okay, so I'm glad you bring that up because that's the other the part of it, right? So the alter funding is just the platform, but uh, in order for it to be successful, there's the other ingredients that you have to implement, and that is just like what you said, the wellness programs. Um, so not only because the group is underwritten and they qualified, okay, because again, it's an underwritten product, so they can be declined initially. Once it's instated, um, you know, it, it's guaranteed renewable. But um, so for you, the, to be qualified to be underwritten, is it just a questionnaire, medical questionnaire? Yeah, so depending on the size of your group and if you have current coverage, there's, there's different, um, different parameters. But essentially, it's, if it's a 10-plus person group with current coverage, we just need a census and they use the – MIB. It's not as exciting as Men in Black. It's the Medical oh. Information Bureau, yeah. <laughs> but it's the the GRX part of it, the General Prescription Database, and they they run that through that General Prescription Database, and it's it's what we call a forecasting model, right? Because it comes back with uh, what we call a hit rate, and that tells the carrier, the underwriting department, okay, we're seeing this amount of prescriptions being used for these specific illnesses, so they know going forward these are the possible claims. Right. Versus the old model was fill out this form. But that's claims that have happened in the past. Right. That's not stuff that's necessarily going to happen in the future. So we do still have that old model of filling out what we call IMQs, individual medical questionnaires. But we typically only have to do that on virgin cases or groups under 10. Right. So you've got the medical questionnaire or the, or the underwriting process is uh, it's not going to be as extensive as somebody coming in and taking blood or doing No, doing it's not like getting stuff. life insurance or anything like right. that. It's, so it's literally just the top five, you know, have you or have you, you know, any of these in the last five years if so elaborate and you know what medication treatment etc right and they answer that and then and then it goes to underwriting we typically know within three to five business days if they qualify or not if they're if they don't then we know they're not a fit for that and we move them to what we call fully insured where they're better off anyway because right. otherwise if we put them in the ultra funding they're just going to get used to that program over the course of a year and then stuck with a huge renewal right whereas the guaranteed issue rates they see that's where they typically are better off uh on the ultra funded platform uh you had also mentioned which is, is a good point because it's a medically underwritten risk, the insurance carrier knows what to expect. So the the rates are good, but also the benefits. I mean, we're doing plans with low deductibles, low out-of-pockets, with full prescription drug cards, co-payments, because the underwriting 
the underwriting team already knows what to expect. So there's a better match of what yeah. that group needs with the coverage that they're going to get. Yeah. And so on the on the wellness side, like you mentioned, some of the what this is kind of spearheaded is um, HSAs have become really popular again, which right. again I love. I'm on an HSA, always have been, yep. and um, it's the best way in America to pay for. Uh, insurance, oh, yep. sorry, for medical uh, expense, because uh, it's what we call a triple tax friendly um, product. You know, you pay for your your premium for 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 the health insurance itself pre tax. Uh, you contribute to the HSA pre tax, and you spend that money pre tax uh, for medical qualified expenses. So, uh, with that, and then in addition to what we call virtual healthcare, and that's what you had mentioned earlier, the availability to FaceTime or video conference with your your doctor 24-7, 365 from the convenience of your home on the couch. You just push a button and within five minutes you're talking to a doctor and they're diagnosing you over the phone um, and you're able to go pick up your prescriptions. You don't have to take time off work. You're not no lost wages. Your employer uh, isn't short-staffed, so we're having a lot of companies invest in virtual healthcare for their, their employees, as well as the insurance carriers are implementing it more and more into their plans, embedding it in their plans. Yeah, I'm a strong believer in that. That is uh, that's a great advance. That that's something that's really common sense too. We've used it, and uh, it helps with the to get medical attention as fast as possible, as easy as possible. So it, it's a win-win on all fronts. Absolutely. And also believe in the HSA plans too. Those are those are great, great plan design. So Luke, this has been a great show. I thank you so much for joining us. This has been My another pleasure. another uh, show that's filled with great knowledge, entertainment yeah. for health insurance. So you've been listening to Real Talk ninety three point three Business Matters. I am your host Charles Musgrove. Join us again next Sunday at eleven thirty a.m. Have a great week and a blessed week. Peace out.